This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series called Mottos and Mantras. Last week I took one from the 1300s. I got a more current one for you this week. The uh, first showed up, this phrase first showed up, actually, uh, according to the New York Times, it showed up in 1949. And it was used in a Nebraska state journal that they were talking about the condition of the Nebraska frontier. It's a phrase that picked up a lot of steam in the, in the 2000s. It's often used by coaches and athletes, and you hear it in business. And it's the phrase, and you'll know exactly what it is when I say, it is what it is. You hear teams say that all the time. Well, coach, what happened? Well, you know, it is what it is. I got a bad feeling we're going to hear a lot of that this year for the Texans, and it is. <laughs> and I'm an optimist, and so it's, uh, it's one of those phrases that uh, I, I know some people, I was talking to people after the first service, that the phrase irritates me. And it, 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 you're not alone. I think it irritates you because some people consider it a verbal shrug. You know, it is what it is. In other words, what it's saying is, we're resigned to the fact that this is an unchangeable situation. It is what it is. And there are some things that we're going to have to accept are unchangeable. I mean, there are a few things where it is what it is. Truly. Here's one. No one lives forever. And our time on earth is limited. That truly is what it is. Not happy, but it is. There was a man who married a much younger woman. He was wealthy. She was very young. He thought she might be a gold digger. Her friends thought she was a gold digger. And so she uh, he signed, had her sign a contract that when he died, she was going to cash out all his assets and put it in the coffin with him. He was going to take it with him. And uh, her friends were amazed that she actually signed that contract. And sure enough, he died just a few years later. He was a mean old guy. No one came to his funeral but said, the young lady, the wife, and a few of her friends. And before they closed the casket, she walked up and whispered something and then slipped an envelope into the casket, motioned for them to close it. As they were walking out to the gravesite, her girlfriends came up to her and walked beside her, and they said, girl, tell me you did not put all that man's money in that casket with him. And she looked at them, she said, well, of course I did. I'm a person of integrity and a person of my word. She said, I wrote him a personal check. If he can cash it, he can keep it. <laughs> and it is what it is. So here's, here's the next one we, we have to accept. It is what it is. You, are not going, you and I are not going to change people. That went over big in the first service. I'm sure it's going over big now. Some of us have tried for years. People have a free will. You can't make someone do what's right. You can pray for them. You can ask, but you know, even God won't make them do something. So you can pray. But you can't change them. And so you, you, can, you can ask the Lord to work on their hearts. And uh, boy, that, that certainly is helpful. But you're not going to change them is what it is. Here's the next is what it is. Life will have challenges. No one is exempt. Now I know some of you are thinking right now, people that you know that live a charm life, 
They have no problems. Nothing ever happens to them that you know of. We've become really good at Facebook brand management. And so people put out there, their life is perfect, it's wonderful, they're awesome, everything is awesome about them. We don't know, but I can tell you this, life always has challenges for everyone. There's no one who is exempt. That is what it is. And I am so glad that Jesus came with a different message. He came actually with a message of hope. I'm so glad God didn't look at human nature and look at, at human condition and go, whew, Y'all are messed up. Here's what it is. Jesus came with answers for what is. Look what he said in one of his first messages in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, this is Jesus speaking, to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, Jesus looked at the human condition and said, he didn't say it is what it is. He says, I have answers for what is. And the answers are that you don't have to live in this condition. You don't have to live brokenhearted, poor. You don't have to live uh, captive. You don't have to live bound. You don't have to live with no vision. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And when Jesus came and spoke, he said, this may be what it is, but it's not what it has to be. And it gives us an opportunity to say, hey, this might be the situation now, but if I'm standing with him, there's a possibility of change. There's a, a, a phrase that we're here going around, and I think it's important that this, that this topic hit the church. I think, it's, I think the church is well equipped to address it. We saw it in the last Olympics, the term mental health. We hear mental health today. And as I was, as I was thinking about it, I, I realized that I grew up in a home with mental health issues. And my poor mom has stopped watching my messages. Because here's the, it, it was wonderful when she found out that her son was going to be a preacher. But the downside of being in the family of a preacher is everything's a story. And so, if you're in the family, you're fair game. And my mother, my sister, I said, well, did mom watch the message? I was asking this a few weeks ago. She said, no, Alan, I think you upset mom. Because she's always looking at me going, why is he saying that? Why is he saying that? Why? And she says, mom, because it's the truth. But I grew up in a home, and, I, and my parents were of the generation where you didn't talk about problems. They just didn't mention them. And so in the 60s and 70s, I grew up in a home where, you know, my parents were in bad moods. What's wrong with mom? Well, she's in a bad mood. And I realized as I look back on it now, it was depression. And depression had, had been in my home for years. And depression actually impacted me in my life. This is why actually I have the ability to address these topics of mental health. In my 20s, I experienced anxiety attacks. In my 30s, I saw anxiety attacks. I dealt with depression. So I've dealt with these mental health issues. I like the fact that what we're starting to do is acknowledge that they're real and to recognize that they're out there. But here's where I'm going to take a different perspective. I'm not a clinical psychologist. 
I'm not a, a psychiatrist. I'm, I'm not someone who can speak to, to that realm. Here's what I can speak to. I can speak to the realm as being a covenant child of God. And as a covenant child of God, when Jesus said he came to set the captive free, I believe that includes the mental health issues as well. Because... You say, well, Alan, how can you say that? Because I can tell you how I can say that. Because I suffered with anxiety attacks and I haven't had one in 30 years. Because I've, I've dealt with... I've, I've dealt with depression and I haven't been depressed in years. So I can, so I can tell you, it's real and we need to acknowledge it. But here's the thing, we don't accept it. If you accept it, you won't attack it. If you recognize it, it's good to recognize that, hey, these are issues, but I'm not gonna resign myself to it. Because if I'm resigned to it, I won't resist it. So as a child of God, as someone who has a covenant relationship with him, as someone who's been born again, I can look at the oppression, the fear, the depression, the, the bipolar, the mental anxieties, the things that people are dealing with, and I'm going to go, Jesus has come to give us a better way. We don't have to accept that as the last word. You may deal with that, but you don't have to resign yourself to it. It's not it is what it is. It is what God says it is, and he says you can be free, and that's what we're going to hang on to. And that's the good news. You say, well, not, I've been struggling with this for years. Well, don't give up. Because there are promises that you can hang on to. There's a, there's a man in the Bible. And in fact, it's, I thought Matt Nespri did a good job. He's a good teacher. Aren't you glad he's teaching your kids? He, teacher, he talked about a man named Abram. And Abram and his wife Sarai were old and they'd not had a child together. You talk about it is what it is. That's what they faced. But then God comes into the situation and things begin to change. Let's look at this story here. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm almighty God, walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant. That's much stronger than a contract. Covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I made you a father of many nations. God begins to talk with Abram. And he says, Abram, you and I have a contract together. It's, it's, a, it's a solid contract. It's deeper than any contract any man can write. It's a covenant. We have a covenant together. And Abram, because of this covenant together, I'm telling you that you're going to be a father of multitude. In fact, Abram, I'm changing your name. And your name is no longer Abraham. I mean, Abram, it is Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. And Abra Abraham had a choice. He could choose to go, okay, I'm going to go with that. I'm, I'm going to call myself that name. So he had, he had a choice to do. You know, aren't you glad that God didn't look at, at Abram and go, Abram, you are an old dude. And that's what I'm going to call you, old dude. I'm glad he didn't call him old dude. I'm glad he called him father of a, of a multitude. So here's, here is Abraham now, who's 99 years old, walking around going, and they're going, uh, hey, Mr. Abram. He's like, whoa, no. new name, Abraham, father of a multitude. <laughs> and everyone's like, you're right, you're good. That's great. He had about a 300 person staff that worked for him, 300 people in his household. And, uh, and so I'm sure that, <laughs> To his face, they were like, oh, 
Great idea, Mr. Abraham, father of a multitude. I'm sure behind his back they're going, the old brother, the old dude has lost his mind. <laughs> but Abraham had to make a choice. I'm going to call myself what God calls me, or I'm going to stay with what I have. It is what it is, or is it, or is it what God says it is? So God keeps talking to Abraham. I'm, I'm condensing a long chapter, but he keeps talking to him. Look, look what he says to him. He gives him a promise. Then God said to Abraham, notice, notice his, as soon as God changed his name, it changes in the, in, the, in the text. As for Sarai, your wife, you should not call her Sarai, but Sarah should be her name. That means princess. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. And then I will bless her and she will be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? <laughs> so God gives Abraham a promise. He said, you're going to have a son. And it's going to be through Sarah. By the way, her name's changed too. Her name now means princess. A multitude will come through her. Princess Sarah. And she's going to have the child. Abraham didn't go, praise God. That's awesome. He falls on his face and goes, <laughs> you know, not to the Lord's face, but on the inside. He's like, this is nuts. Um, I'm, 90, I'm 100 years old, and she's 90, never has had kids. Abraham was not on board with this promise. He laughed at the promise. And the Lord was merciful, left him. But then he comes back and visits him again. And he visits him this time. He said, two, three men were there. Abraham, I don't, this, this is one of those, those questions I have when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask. Because who are the other guys with, with the Lord? But Abraham recognized the Lord. They, they came up to him. Abraham said, y'all stop and we'll, we'll get a meal for you. Chick-fil-A was closed. It's like, we got a meal for you. <laughs> Stay right here. And, and look what they said to him. He reinforces the promise. They said, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he, this is the Lord speaking, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. At 90, that happens. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. Probably a lot more to that than we're seeing. And <laughs> I, I'm in trouble with that one, guys. I just, I just, I, I'll, I'll just tell you that. And, uh, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. Lord asked an interesting question. He said, is anything too hard for God? And uh, he didn't wait for an answer. <laughs> he just, that was kind of a rhetorical question. Don't answer that. He said, is anything too hard? But he reinforced the promise. He gave them a promise. And, and when Sarah heard it, she laughed too. She's laughing. He's 100. I'm 90. I mean, can you imagine filling out the insurance forms for that one? <laughs> Is that a pre-existing condition or what? I mean, that, that's 
like a friend of mine said, no, this is going to be called an act of God. Does insurance even cover acts of God? Because they, they evidently made an adjustment. She laughed. Abraham laughed. But between the two of them, somewhere along the line, and I'll show you where they, they, made, an, they made an adjustment, and they believed God. And they had a child. And they named him what the Lord said to name him. They named him Isaac. Well, the name Isaac means laughter. God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? Oh, y'all going to laugh about this? <laughs> well, you're going to name your child laughter. And every time you see him, it's like laughter. Come here. Come on, son. We got to go. Hey, laughter, 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 laughter. Because guess who got the last laugh on that one? God did. He's like, hey, <laughs> we got to. But, you know, but Sarah had the wisdom to go, you know what? The Lord has made me laugh. And everyone who sees me is going to laugh with me. Don't you know when, when Sarah's walking around and they're like, no, nah, and she's telling some of the people who, who attend to her, no, nah, I, I can't get up, I'm pregnant. They're all like going. <laughs> they're probably walking away. And then she has a baby. And then they're like, oh, because now everybody's laughing because they had an Isaac. I love, I love the Lord's promise in this. Abram, he didn't look at simply what is. He looked at what could be with God. And that's, you say, well, that's a good story, but does that have anything to do with my life? It has a lot to do with our lives. In, in your situation right now, what does God say about it? Does he say it's hopeless or impossible? Or does he say it's subject to change? You know, a lot of times when, when we're talking about things like this, I, I do want you to understand something, and, and this is really important. So many of the promises and things we can take for our own lives personally does not mean we can push them off on other people. So many times people are praying and they're asking God to do things in other people's life, but he won't make them. But i tell you what he will do. He will help you regardless, and he can help you through it. What does God say about your situation? But then here's even a more important question. What does God say about you? What does he say when he, he looks at you? Does he go, hmm, old dude. Hopeless, lonely, fearful, depressed. What's he say about you? If you woke up tomorrow morning and you walked into your kitchen and there's an angel sitting at your kitchen table after you get over the shock, the angel said, I have come to give you a new name. What do you think it would be? In India, 10 years ago, Associated Press told a story about what they called a renaming a renaming ceremony for some young ladies, these young girls actually, 285 of them in Mumbai, India. All of them had one thing in common. They were named Nakusa or Nakushi, and it meant unwanted. That was their name, unwanted. You say, who in the world would name a child unwanted? Well, in India, the, the, the boys were considered much more important than the girls, and the girls were often aborted or abandoned in an alarming rate. And these 285 girls had all been named unwanted. And in a ceremony, they got a, they got a certificate of a new name and a bouquet of flowers. They were dressed in their best, and they gave them that certificate. And the Associated Press said it was a very moving story because these little girls, they got to pick their own name. Some picked names that meant prosperous. Some picked names that meant beautiful or good. One picked a name very tough. Tough chick. So she, she, but she picked something and they talked to one of them. And this little girl said, 
I'm so glad that when I go to school next week, that my classmates and friends will call me by my new name. That makes me happy. We realize that names have so much. But what would God call you? Would he call you what it is? Or would he call you what he's already talked about you because you have a relationship with Christ? Would he call you something different? I believe he would. Here's why. Look at this in 1 John. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, according to the Scriptures, God says you're already an overcomer. You've overcome the world, the death, the sin, everything in it. You say, well, that, that, that doesn't appear to be true in my life. That doesn't appear. I mean, I'm looking at my life and it is what it is. Is it? Or is it what God says it is? And what if he looked at you and said, that angel, remember, let's go back to that angel. He looks at you and says, your new name is Overcomer. What are you going to say? Oh, I don't know, Lord. Uh, you know, I, you, know I, you don't know, I mean, you know me. I'm a mess up. I don't know if I'd say that to the angel. If the angel shows up tomorrow, you just go ahead and say, mm-hmm, yes, sir, whatever, whatever you say. But would the angel look at you and say, you're blessed. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You are able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're capable. You're accepted. You're loved. What are you going to say? See, with time we stop calling ourselves what is. And we start calling, our, start calling ourselves what God says we are. Because that's so much better. So you look at, we say it every week here. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Aren't you glad God doesn't look at you and call you loser, failure, fearful? He looks at you and says, you can overcome. You can overcome anything that death, hell, and the grave sends your way because you're in Christ Jesus. And so you can stand up and go, thank God I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I am blessed. I am the head, not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am what God says I am. That's who I am. We like Abraham. Abraham made the decision before anything ever changed to begin to call himself father of a multitude. What are you going to call yourself? It is what it is, or is it what God said it is? Here's my next question. What are we laughing at? What are you laughing at in life? You know, whatever you laugh at, you make light of. Well, now, Michael, I actually do have three children. I know you think I only have Matt, but uh, he, believe me, he did enough for all three. Um, Matt... Uh, my oldest, and then there's Christina, who's sworn me to secrecy. I mean, the statue of limitations has not yet run out on all her stories. And then there's Michael, the youngest one, who observed Matt and learned. And so he, he stayed out of a lot of trouble, but he would say profound things occasionally, very occasionally. But he would, we're riding down the road one day, he looks over at me and he goes, I'll take over the church when you die. <laughs> then he added the kicker, in 20 years. He was eight at the time. <laughs> I was 40, <laughs> which would put me dead two years ago. And I remember when I heard it, I didn't look at him and go, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I laughed at it. 
I made light of it. I thought it was funny. I thought it's funny that he thought he was going to take over the church. If he still thinks he's taking over the church, he's got a long wait. It's going to, it's going to be a long time. I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon, but I'm laughing at it because I made light of it. I mean, I, I came home and told you, I said, you know what Michael said? This is funny. I'm not dying at 60. <laughs> what we laugh at, we make light of. Now, what are you laughing at in your life? The promises of God or the problems that you're facing? You see, I talked about being an overcomer. And that's, that's something that God said. It's a, it's a fact about us because we're in Christ. If you hear that and you go, <laughs> right. I'm an overcomer, right? What you're saying is you're stuck to what is. It's the saying that God's promises can come to pass in your life. But what if you look at those promises and go, oh, that's good to know. Praise God. I am what God says I am. I can do what he says I can do. Thank you, Lord. And what happens is that when problems arise, instead of looking at the problem and going, <gasps> You look at the problem and start to laugh. <laughs> you won't have the last word problem. You won't have the last word depression. You won't have the last word fear. You won't have the last word anxiety or poverty or despondency or loneliness. <laughs> I'm laughing at you because I've got a promise from God. And when we hang on to those promises from God, it makes all the difference in the world then we can begin to see beyond what is. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's a great question, isn't it? When I was at Lakewood, we had a lady that she used to lead the, used to lead the prayers sometimes for all the prayer partners. She was a bold lady, always wore big hats. She was, man, she was just feisty. She would stand up, they'd ask her, her name was Barbara, they'd say, Barbara, you need to pray. She would stand up, she'd go, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And if you had thought there was, you weren't going to say it. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. But I thought, what a great way to pray. What a great way to start to pray. Now listen, is there anything too hard for God? No. And if we have his word and his promises, then we have something we can hold on to. Now let me, let me help you just with something. People have had losses. They've experienced Lost things have happened. My first church failed. All of us have had things that have not turned out like we want. Let me just encourage you from the bottom of my heart. Don't give up on God. Don't let go of his promises. This is what we have to hang on to. If we've got his word, if we have his promise, that's something solid. And we can hang on to that. Say, well, Alan, all this, all this stuff has happened. Yeah, but God never misses it and never will. I'm going to stay with him. And I'm going to give you what I call a, a faith hack, one of the best ways to make the same adjustment that Abraham and Sarah made. Somewhere between laughing at the promise of God and having an Isaac, something happened. And, and it gives us a picture of this in Romans. Romans 4. So he, Abraham, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. He didn't separate himself. That word waver actually means to separate himself. We have God's promises, but we have to hold on to them. And one of the best ways to hold on to them and not separate himself, and this is what Abraham did. So Abraham had that promise. Sarah's going to have a son. Sarah's going to have a son by you. 
She's 90, you're 100. And Abraham, at, at some point in time, began to stop laughing at that and began to say, Lord, thank you. Praise you. I give you glory, Lord. We're going to have a son. I'm going to be the father of a multitude. We're going to, I'm going to have a son by Sarah. And Sarah was going, Lord, I want, to, I want to thank you that I'm going to have a son. And somewhere, instead of separating themselves from God's promise, they held on to God's promise. One of the best things you can do, you can make that change today. Maybe things haven't turned out like you like, but here's what you want to do. You want to leave and say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I am sticking with you. I am staying with you. I am holding on to your promises, and I'm giving you praise that regardless of what I see, it's not what it is. It's what you say it is, and things can change in my life. Lord, help me. If I had given up after the first church failed, we'd have never had the ark. Listen, guys, all of us have had things that have not worked out, but guess who never missed it? God never has, and he never will. His integrity is what we're basing our whole eternity on. So we hang on to his promise, and we begin to give him praise for that. And when we have his word, then we're not limited to what is. And you know what can happen in our lives? We can have some Isaacs. You see, when I see this church now, I ought to walk in and laugh. They told me after I failed at the first one, I'd never do it again. I didn't even try. They said, we're going to have a church in Conroe. They said, Conroe is a preacher's graveyard. This is a good-looking graveyard up in here. <laughs> and after a while, we hang on to God's promises, and we begin to do this. <laughs> you ought to walk in and go, I tell you what, let God be true and every man a liar. This is what I'm hanging on to. Joy and I sat across from a surgeon's desk and third, almost 30 years ago. Surgeon looked at Joy and said, we got to you too late. He almost gave her a shrug. It is what it is. He looked at her and said, it's too late. I'm sorry, your pancreas. She had acute chronic pancreatitis. And, and they said, we got to you too late. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do for you. And I remember we were, we got in, we left his office he was almost cavalier, kind of like, well, he really did have a, is what it is. But he's, he's a man. He doesn't have the answers. We walked out of his office. We walked into the elevator. We're quiet. It's a long elevator ride down. We got in the car. It was a long ride back. We were quiet. But the one thing that we had in, in our hearts is I did not have to look at my wife, who was the mother of a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, infant and go well it is what it is I didn't have to do that because someone had told us and someone had taught us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever that if he healed in the day he walked he still heals today the healing is still available that, that he took our infirmities and bar sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed and Joy and I didn't have to go well it is what it is we begin to say, we can come through this. It was a fight. Joyce said, we were talking this morning. She said at one time, she was taking 500 pills a month. And that wasn't even counting the pain pills. They had her own opioids. And she woke up one morning early, January morning, and, she, 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 and the Lord impressed her to get off of them. She said, Alan, I'm, I'm addicted to these things. And she came off of pain pills, cold turkey. It was a fight. But we kept holding on to the promise of God. And she kept on praising God. And she kept on believing. 
This might be what it is, but it's not what it has to be. And I'm so glad. So glad she fought through. So, Ellen, I know people that didn't. I know, guys. All I know is this. I got to stay with God. And I got to stay with his promises. Because I got a wife who's healed, who hasn't had a pancreatic attack in 30 years, who's well and strong, who takes no medication. No. So don't give up on him. Maybe you've had some loss. Maybe you've had some things go wrong. Don't, 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 don't get angry at God. Don't get mad at him. Just go back and say, Lord, show me. Help me. Show me what to do. Because I believe with you. It doesn't have to be it is what it is. I don't have to resign myself to it. I can resist it. I don't have to accept it. I can attack it. Because with you, all things are possible. Nothing's too hard. Would you bow your head for a moment? I'm so glad God looked at mankind in a lost condition and didn't go, wow, you're so lost. It is what it is. God changed what it is by sending his son. He said, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Man, God changed what is. And he changed it for all of us for eternity. If you've never made that decision where you said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life, here's your opportunity. If you maybe have done that in the past, you've gotten away from him, here's your opportunity to adjust and to come back. This is where you want to be. You want to be connected to the one who believes in you, who says there's so much for you than the limitations that you see in your own life right now. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up, come to the front. But if that's you I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I want to make sure that I'm right with the Lord. I want to, I want to make sure that, I, that I'm solid with him, that I come back to him. Would you pray for me? Real quickly, slip your hand up real quick just across the auditorium. Say, that's me. That's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for your courage. Anybody else? Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. If you didn't lift your hand, you can still join us in this. We're going to say it with you as a church family. You're watching online. Say it with us online. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Now, with heads still bowed and eyes closed, Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And Father, for those who are dealing with stuff right now and are resigned to it and having to accept it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your spirit that can whisper to our hearts and show us that there's something beyond what is. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.